Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 14. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Well, I'm pleased to have on the show today Rabbi Simon Jacobson. He's the author of the best-selling book, Toward a Meaningful Life, which has sold over 300,000 copies and been translated into 12 different languages. He heads up the Meaningful Life Center in downtown Manhattan in New York City, and he's one of the greatest scholars and sought-after speakers in the world today, especially in the Jewish community. He has taught and lectured to diverse audiences all over the world, including six continents and 40 states. And he teaches in a voice that's rooted in common sense and timeless teachings, and yet at the same time, he's relevant and cutting edge. He's been interviewed on over 300 radio and television shows, including Larry King Live and Charlie Rose. And now uh, now he's really hit the big time. He's on the Dose of Leadership podcast. Rabbi Jacobson, such a privilege and an honor to have you on the show. How are you today? Very good, and it's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for your very warm and encouraging introduction. Well, I tell you, you know, I came across your writings on Toward a Meaningful Life, and what what a great fascinating book and and again I'm, I'm not Jewish and in a lot of times I'm I'm probably you know I, I do believe in God and I, I try to live a faith-based life but your book is written it's one of the best and most uh, common sense um, how do I even say it it's like the words it's so sublime but yet it's so poignant I don't know it's one of the best writings I've ever come across particularly in the chapter on leadership and I would argue that if anybody's interested in leadership that that chapter you wrote should be a primer for anybody interested in becoming a leader. Can you expound, first of all, on Towards a Meaningful Life, how you came about it, give a little background, and then we can dive into to the leadership chapter in a little bit. Well, thank you again. You're, I hope I can live up to all your accolades <laughs> and praise. And uh, So, interestingly, uh, I grew up in a uh, traditional Jewish home in New York. My parents are Russian-born. But I, uh, at the same time that I had a very strong yeshiva, which is a very strong academic Jewish education in Bible and Talmud and Kabbalah mysticism and so on, I also grew up in a very uh, non-dogmatic home. My father was a journalist, so ideas flowed freely. We were uh, like open-minded. Nothing was off-limits. There was uh, full of skepticism. It was a very, uh, can I say, breathing experience for me. I don't know what I would be like had there been a lot of dogma. So right. I know this is today not that common to have both a very strong religious upbringing and non-dogmatic because unfortunately religion has become today very dogmatic, very yes. condescending, judgmental, divisive, yes. yep. and all that. So that in a way, many ways can, can explain who I am. And as I grew older, I grew up in the Lubavitch Chabad community where I was very intrigued by the Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, who passed away in 1994, uh, a great, great scholar. I was intrigued by his mind, by his, his passion, by his spirituality, by his uh, simplicity. So I began to uh, really explore his methods of teaching, and I became involved in a small group, which is very rare today, with all the technology, which on the Sabbath and holidays, because Jewish law uh, prohibits the use of tape recorders, recordings, and notes, we had to memorize 
hours and hours of these talks that he delivered. Wow. Using our good old minds and absorbing. So I really learned the art of absorbing information and uh, listening before processing, which uh, I would say has changed my life. As a result, uh, I did this for many years, 15 years. I became the main writer of his talks. I should mean, I should explain writing, meaning writing afterwards, after these holidays, when uh, we had to recreate it, research it, annotate it. And 1995, I wrote the book you're referring to, Toward a Meaningful Life, which really, to me, is a distillation of 90 generations of uh, universal, biblical, spiritual wisdom that comes from the sources are definitely Torah sources, which means Jewish literature. But hey, you know, most of the world today follows the Bible and so on. But from, for, from my point of view, it was primarily focusing on the universal dimension the psychological, personal, spiritual, emotional uh, dimension of these ideas. What I did was I actually asked people in the street, I said, what are the 30 most important topics in your life? And everyone answered the same thing, literally, man or woman, Jew or non-Jew, black or white, uh, child and adult, any believer and unbeliever. Everyone spoke about the same thing. They spoke about birth, about childhood, about education, about love, about pain, about money, about uh, health, about dealing with anxiety, about dealing with faith, technology, the list goes on. So I actually did a chapter for each one of these 30 topics and uh, basically a short chapter that tries to capture the, the wisdom and experience that I learned and I absorbed in my life, which comes through the lens of the general Jewish thinking, but again, universal, so it's really a book for everyone. Anyone can read it as you've uh, just testified, and uh, using a lot of the methodology that I learned from my master and mentor, Rabbi Schneerson, who himself was a student of his teachers. And uh, one of the chapters, of course, is leadership, the one you identified and uh, related to, but there are different chapters. Each one speaks to people at different stages of their life. The main thing is it's, a, I believe, a resonating book. I try to work, work, one of my key lines I use in the book is, words from the heart enter the heart. Yeah. You know, I, I know for myself, I want to respond to someone that enters my heart. Yes. As they say, there's an expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. Yeah. So I wrote that book with, I believe, some care, with empathy, which is far more than just philosophy. An empathy to the human condition, we struggle with many similar things. How do we, want, how do we make our lives more meaningful? Whether it's in relationships, whether it's dealing with uh, trauma and pain whether it's bringing up children, whether it's dealing with the balance of the marketplace money and our personal lives, or whether it's dealing with the crisis in leadership or intimacy for that matter, how technology is it destroying our soul, is it helping us? So it's a very positive book, a very life-affirming book, a very uplifting book, and thank God, as you mentioned, many, many people have responded to it. It's changed my whole life in the sense of what I do today, the Meaningful Life Center that I meaningfullife.com is an outgrowth of the book and here we are speaking about it and uh, I feel honored to be a channel I see myself like a bridge between these universal teachings and each of our personal lives and it comes down to any one of our listeners here ultimately taking this wisdom and doing something with it helps their life be improved yeah understand yeah. your purpose in life why are you here and so on yeah it's a it's a i mean it's a fascinating book and we could talk you know for for days and days for all the different um topics that you have on there i think that um you hit it on the head that 
the book is for everybody. It doesn't matter what your religious backgrounds are. And at the end of the day, we all have the same wants, the same needs, the same fears, the same limiting beliefs. And uh, the book is so awesome. And, I, and, and what really struck me as being a student of leadership, you know, for the better part of my professional career, career over 20 years, but, um, you know, we are surrounded by people that we call as leaders. And as you put in your book, you know, they're everywhere. But there really is a scarcity of genuine leadership. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, today many people are either cynical about leadership altogether or they see them as someone told me once firefighters. At best, they're good administrators. You know, they put out fires. But the leadership that many people crave for, which is a visionary, someone that inspires, someone that speaks and makes us feel empowered, feel that we can really um, lead the way, not just react, but be proactive, that's a major crisis in that area. That's why I think actually there's an over-worship of Hollywood stars yeah. and sports heroes because there's like um, there's a lag, there's a void. So we turn to anyone that will just maybe give us some direction. But there are no very, very few leaders are directions. They politically correct polls determine things. People are very careful not to say the wrong thing, and uh, it's, it's, it's no question. All, all of us need leaders. All of us need mentors. And today, leadership has been rendered into a very much of a political process. And once in a while, leaders do something good as well, but. I wouldn't define them as true leaders. I find them as basically almost like being a um, a product of, of uh, the the lack of leadership we're, that we, we so much have. I think many of the leaders are just part of that lack in a way. Yeah, I think that the, the it's to me it's all less about, and I say in my presentations and in my teachings, that it's less about the charismatic. You know, too often we put so much stock and so much value in charisma larger than life you know, thinking you have to have this big commanding presence. And really, to me, command presence is, is learning how to be calm. It's learning how to be confident. It's how to be consistent. Most importantly, it's how to be courageous in everything that we do. Charisma is, is, is great if you have it, as long as there's something to back it up with it. And I think even in your book, what I took out of this, and it, you know, it's a timeless principle, but you talk about what makes a true leader. And I love what you write here. If I can just quote from the book that a true leader wants nothing more than to give people pride, to make people stand on their own as leaders in their own right. Instead of trying to blind us with his or her brilliance, a true leader reflects our own light back to us so that we may see ourselves anew. I think that's just brilliant. I mean, it's so true. Yeah. And then you talk well, about yeah. you talk about in the example, which you know we learn as a kid and everything else, but Moses really was the quintessential leader, wasn't he? Absolutely, because and what is Moses' biggest quality? Not his wisdom and not his charisma, but his humility. Yeah, very humble. So humility, humility is not value today. Today, if you people value power, aggression, money, uh, go-getters, and unfortunately, humility, which is a critical element. Humility is not to be confused with weakness. Right. Humility is actually the greatest strength of all. It's a person who realizes he doesn't take himself more seriously than the cause. A person, let's say parents who are humble, take their children and family more seriously than themselves. Anyone that takes themselves more seriously than the cause they're serving, you know, cannot really be a leader. Right. But everywhere we look, and, it uh, seems that's to be the, Yeah, everywhere we look, that seems to be the case. Well, it's a, so, it's a superficial world, and the prosperity we have, the comforts we have, the things that we, uh, we, we uh, the overabundance of our standard of living, we take for granted is very much 
um, feeds into a certain um, complacency and also lowering of standards and I would say mediocrity. You know, one thing that I always try to teach, and I, I learned this from the Marine Corps, but and uh, it's kind of amazing. One thing I did learn from the Marine Corps that it really is a servant leadership mentality, that it isn't about you as the leader. It's less about you. It's always about them. And um, talk to me about servant leadership and how that maybe kind of gets confused. Everybody thinks, well, to be a servant leader, that means you have to be someone of faith. But that's not the case. I mean, true leadership is about servants, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, you know, when you're an, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned the Marine Corps because I was going to use an example from the, from the military. When you're, in a, when you're in a good army, you're good, uh, whether it's the Navy, Army, or Air Force, any part of the military, one of the key elements is obviously what we call obedience. You have to have obedience. You have to have a train of command, even if you disagree, because it's life and death. Right. One, 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 one refusal to follow an order for whatever reason, one split-second delay can be the matter of life and death for many people. That's number one. Number two, there's an element of discipline. And finally, and most importantly, there's an element you mentioned, courage. The, the person you want to be with fighting a war, fighting a battle, and you know, none of us should ever have to fight wars, but they're just conceptually, is you want to be with people around you that you know don't hesitate. You don't want a commander-in-chief or a general or uh, or any type of uh, authority suddenly having second thoughts you want to say we're going we're going to conquer this we're confident we're courageous with a plan and so on courage breeds courage and i think when people are insecure and they themselves are projecting their own fears what you ha end up happening is the blind leading the blind that we have fearful people leading fearful people and you don't have that type of forging ahead one of the things i should mention about the Rebbe, I called Rabbi Schneerson that I mentioned earlier, toward a meaningful life. One of the things I learned greatly from him was as a young man, I saw courage, I saw fearlessness, not recklessness, fearlessness, in the sense where you have to sometimes just take the plunge, you have to be persistent. As we all know, the greatest success has always been those that are persistent. You keep forging ahead, even when you sometimes have setbacks, sometimes there's and there are all kinds of naysayers and there's reasons not to do things. It's a certain forging ahead that has that impact that uh, breeds in us that type of confidence. That's what good mentors do. That's what, for that matter, uh, trainers do, coaches do. Yeah. They, they can take, you can have, someone can be blessed to be the best tennis player in the world or the best athlete, and they can lose confidence. They can have a psychological uh, lapse. And a great coach is someone that kicks you in the pants, loves you, but is also tough. And says you can do it, go for it. And I think that today, where we always we we walk on eggshells, we're like um, almost uh, taking these baby steps because we're afraid. You know, there's an analogy I would like to share, and I think is always a very good analogy. Like people always say, people don't want commitment. You mentioned commitment. If I if we offer someone, let's say, a hundred pounds of stones, carry these heavy stones from one end of the room to another, and then you'll own them. Most of us would decline. Who needs the stones? But if I offered you 100 pounds of diamonds, right? right. People would say, give me 200 pounds, right? right? And now 100 pounds of diamonds don't weigh less than 100 pounds of stones. But the difference is you see the value, and right. it overshadows and pales in comparison the effort. People are not afraid of effort, I find. They see effort without yielding fruit. But if people realized what you get in return, I, have, I see people being very committed. And in other words, we have to value the, re the results of that type of service that you're describing. And 
And ultimately, it's something that is not really built into our education system strong enough. If you're lucky, you grow up in a home and a family where that's cultivated. But if you're not, oh, it's a world where, where people are living vicariously through watching uh, television shows. Yeah. Well, you hit on something that's very, very critical. And you said it even, you know, with the rough and tumble Marine Corps and even in tough in sports. And you think about some of those great leaders who seem to be tough as nails. There's always an undercurrent of love. The true leaders only do leadership is an affair of the heart and true leaders only do something out of love. They don't do things by coercion. They don't do things by force. They do it out of love. And I think that's where you find the true leadership really blossoms. For sure. I mean, love, love. One of the lines I have in Torah Meaning for Life is love is the celebration of your vulnerability. Right. And anyone who reads that and tells me, I mean, I've heard many comments. They say, I never would have thought of it that way. You know, people think of love as a need. I need intimacy. I need companionship. I need nurturing. Some people see love as giving and uh, transcending yourself. But the celebration of vulnerability makes people, everyone pauses because most people think of vulnerability as weakness. Why would I be vulnerable? I want to be invulnerable. Why would I have my defenses down? But when you think about it, love ultimately is really the celebration of your own vulnerability with a person you trust. We live in a world where there's a lot of dog-eats-dog mentality. We have very powerful defense mechanisms. People have very sophisticated armor layers, and we don't really emotionally communicate well. Right. You know, look, uh, I, mean, I believe in technology, but technology can tend to bring out the worst of us. Yep. You know, think of faith. What, what are faith friends on Facebook? Yeah. It's lost its meaning. Yep. A friend is someone you can sit with for hours without any technology and just share your life with. Talk as if you were talking with yourself. That type of intimacy, and I think intimacy is a very important word as well, if I may, Richard. And yeah. that is because being intimate means being real, being yeah. personal. Not just manufacturing a response or a bumper sticker statement because you heard it somewhere. And I was talking to someone the other day, 90% of the conversation and it was about all their cultural views come from different films. You know, like I said to the guy, you have any ideas of your own or you only get them from movies? Right. I don't mean to be negative about it, but sometimes and I think I love to hear when people say to me, I thought of something, you know, people engage and you want to hear what they thought about not what someone told them to think yeah you know you hit on you know, a couple conversations i've had in the last couple of weeks with some of these even on these interviews and i talked with a you know prominent football coach for the kansas state wildcats and we were talking about well, how do you how do you build that trust how do you build that you know that that young leader turning him into a great leader and they said that's one of the first exercises they do is that they pair him up say a brand new freshman pairs him up with another student another potential leader and they have they pose a series of questions and they get they get to know each other on a truly intimate level and that where the bond comes in he even said this is that you know the vulnerability comes through and when you get the vulnerability that's when the true teamwork really begins to blossom the true leadership the true uh the true relationship yeah it's just so it's so true it's true in our marriages it's true in everything you got to be vulnerable it's scary but man, you cannot really enjoy the fruits of the of of the life, the relationship, of the leadership unless you truly become vulnerable yourself. Hundred percent. And I think you know, to go back to leaders. I think some of the leaders that have touched us, those few that have, you see in them a certain vulnerability. You see something you can identify with. You know, this type of like pie in the sky, deifying someone 
as some type of uh, infallible monarch is is a is a myth. Right. You want a human being. You want someone that you know is speaking to you from their heart. Yeah. And though there's obviously a political process and there's certain um, red tape and there's certain administrative elements and we all know there's every one of us has to negotiate through that but you want someone at the end of the day that you can trust because you feel that they know you and you know them and there's a connection on that level and uh, I believe that was that was what Moses was like and all true leaders are like that you can identify with them because you see they care they're ready to forego their own comforts and leadership interestingly as I quote in the chapter is not about you it's about I've not given you greatness for yourself. I've given you greatness to lead others. Yeah. That's the ultimate key thing. You know, I think what's encouraging, too, if, if you look back at the example of Moses, especially for those out there that think, well, I could never be a leader. I could, you know, Moses had a lot of doubts, too. He didn't think he was, he was worthy of the role, did he not? In the beginning? Yeah, he, he refused, actually. He initially, when God comes to him in the, in the Bible, in Exodus, the book of Exodus, and God says to him, I want to be a leader. He declines in every possible way. Can you imagine? I mean, most people would jump. Right. Uh, he declines, not for me, someone else. I'm I'm a stutterer. I cannot speak well. Send my brother. Send Messiah, whatever. And basically, God is saying, listen, I want someone that doesn't want the job. You know, I know the people that want it. I want someone who knows and appreciates that the job is not easy. easy. And it's not about glory and about power. It's about um, serving. And uh, interestingly, the first time Moses is mentioned in the Bible, he's mentioned as a shepherd. Same thing with King David, because the true leaders are shepherds. Shepherds are people who care about their sheep. The story goes that Moses was tending to the sheep of his future father-in-law, Jethro, and one sheep wandered away. So the mere fact that he noticed it among thousands of a flock of thousands, he followed, he went and searched for that sheep and found it several uh, a a distance away where the sheep was thirsty and was sipping water from a brook. And he carried back the sheep on his shoulders and said to himself, and said, and God said then, if a man who no one's watching is able to be sensitive to one sheep among thousands, that's the man I want to trust my people with. You know, it's a mother. You ever see a real beautiful, loving mother? Yeah. The, 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 her real impact on her children, there are no, there's no Hollywood there, there are no cameras, there's no stage. These are quiet moments of how a mother and father lovingly embrace a child, the undramatic, non-fireworks, and all the things that we today we value. Everything has to be on stage, has to be, has to be um, full of drama and excitement. The most subtle, quiet moments in life are the ones that are, 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 the, one, are the most powerful and magical ones, the ones where you don't have everyone rushing to take. You know, well said, and I think, too, I think, you know, even the acts pictures of, and so on. Yeah, even acts of courage. You know, I gave a presentation yesterday afternoon, and we talked about courage. and And when people hear that word, they think of those larger than life. You know, the the Medal of Honor win, winner. You know, holding off enemy for days on end with no sleep and food. Or, you know, I think of Neil Armstrong landing on the moon with 17 seconds of fuel left. I mean, all kinds of those things. But really. You know, the fact of the everydayness, if you choose to do the right thing when no one's looking, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what, you know, that that's exhibiting courage. And we shouldn't take that lightly. I think that, you know, 
the, the little acts of courage go a long way. The fact that, you know, a father chooses to say grace for the first time over the evening meal and he's never done it before, that takes a tremendous amount of courage for some people. But that has so much more impactful than, than we than we realize. And I think I think that if you you know talk to me, kind of segue into that concept of, of um you know, everybody says, Well, he was a born leader or I don't have the capability of being a leader. But I say that now more than ever, everyone needs to think and act like a leader. Now everybody can't be, you know, you know, the president of the United States or can be like Moses necessarily, but each of us has our own strengths, our own unique qualities, and it takes leadership to figure out what those are and to act on those, wouldn't you agree, selfishly? Well, absolutely. I mean, I have a line that I use very often in my book and also my talks. It's, it's that birth is God saying that you matter. I think a critical message which leads directly into leadership is this. Each of us, no matter who you are, has an indispensable role to play in this world. That we have a mission, a calling, that only you, you and only you, can fulfill. If people had that sense of confidence and responsibility to live up to this indispensable mission that they have, I think that each of us in our own right would become a leader. What does a leader mean? It means that you are in your own way doesn't mean a leader of a million people. It could be a leader in your own little community, in your sphere of influence, that whatever it is that you have, you're not just on the receiving end, watching others, but you're giving. There's an interesting law, Jewish law, in the Jewish law, there's a statement that charity, the obligation of charity is upon everyone. Everyone is obligated to give charity, even, Richard, even a pauper. Now, that doesn't mean he can give a lot, but everyone, a penny, two pennies, it's a statement of dignity that everyone has something to give. There's another statement that you may have heard. It says that who is the wise person, the ethics of the father state? Who is the wise man? Who is the wise person? One who learns something from everyone. Mm -hmm. Which tells us two things. Everyone has something to learn. Everyone has something to teach. Every one of us, you and I, everyone on earth, has an indispensable contribution to make. And with that, in that sense, you are a leader because the entire world cannot continue, cannot play the music properly unless you play your note. So when it comes to your turn in the line, when it comes to your time to sing your song, your song is the leader for that moment. And I think that is a critical message that is often lacking in our society. Obviously, there are some people who are capable and have the skill to be leaders of the, of the masses, who have the ability to be leaders and can inspire other people to be leaders, but everyone in their own right should have that dignity. And that dignity is something that is quite often trampled upon. Often in our dysfunctional homes, we grow up. We don't get that reinforced message. You matter. You're valuable. You are indispensable. And I don't mean in an egotistic way. I mean in a responsible and a humble way. That message, I would suggest, if every one of us as children, if every parent told this to their children every day, again and again, and sincerely, I think that would change the world. I agree. Well said. So what is the best advice for someone listening out there? They're, they say, well, I don't know if I can be a leader or not. What's the best advice? What, what steps can they take, small step may, that, that it may be, towards becoming a better leader? I would begin with, uh, you know, we all are busy people. I think there's, a, there's an exercise I suggest. I believe it's in the chapter, A Day in Your Life, A Day in the Life, 
a day of life, I think, um, in Torah Meaningful Life, that suggestion is quite simple, but quite profound. And that is every morning, as soon as we awake, you know, as soon as we awake, we usually don't have an appointment, we don't have anything. For a minute or two, just focus and concentrate on the fact that your soul was returned to you for another fresh day, another new day. Acknowledge that you are here for a purpose. You're not just here to go to work. You're not just here to survive, not just here to take care of your needs, but you have something to contribute, that you have a soul inside of you waiting to express itself. If every morning, this meditation or prayer, whatever you want to call it, um, a person thinks about every morning, and I would add also do this at night before you go to sleep, instead of falling asleep with the television on, with a newspaper on your nose, to think about, I'm now entering into a peaceful moment called sleep, and I allow my soul to return to its source of nourishment. I think these two exercises is a good way to begin where people are focusing, because it's about awareness and focus on that internal hub, let's call it, our internal nucleus that should be the driving force in our lives. What, what the business calls a mission statement. Each of us have our personal mission statement. And reinforcing that every day is a critical way of doing it, every morning and every evening. That would be one suggestion I would make. Well, I think that's great. So where can people find you? <laughs> well, today with internet, thank God you can find anywhere. Number one is MeaningfulLife.com website, Meaningful Life. One long word, M-E-A-N-I-N-G-F-U-L-L-I-F-E.com. And, uh, you know, today you just Google, Google my name, Simon Jacobson, Toward a Meaningful Life. Very easy to find me that way. I send out a weekly email, thought anyone that wants to receive that, it's a free email that goes out every Thursday evening. I'd be happy to send that. And I, I'm a resource and a friend to anyone out there. You know, I see this as an opportunity when we're on these waves to use technology not just as a commercial element, but as a channel. It's a way to connect anywhere, I, anyone I can be of help to, uh, personally or professionally or in any particular way. I have plenty of writing on Meaningful Life. You'll find a lot of, a wide array of material. I do classes. There's a lot of video of me in the class, the weekly classes on YouTube that are broadcast and archived. So pretty much you name it on a topic, I'm usually talking about it. I just wrote my last topic of my last class was, are you spreading your wings? Uh, which was last Wednesday, which you, again can be found on uh, YouTube or on our website. And I continue to teach and I continue to write and I, uh, it's an honor to be I would say to be a uh, inter a, a, a uh, bridge, and intersect with so many beautiful souls. I find that, to me, one of the greatest things is to celebrate the dignity and majesty of the human journey. Each of our journeys, as bizarre as sometimes they may be, but they all have a beautiful choreography, of whatever that trajectory may be. And it's my honor to be on your show here, and hopefully connect uh, with many people in every possible way. Well, Rabbi, you're a great man. I'm a great fan. Thank you for giving us a dose today. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Everybody, go find his book, Toward a Meaningful Life. Go to um, MeaningfulLife.com. Rabbi, thanks for coming on the show. It was great being here, Richard, and I hope we do it again. Definitely. Thanks, Rabbi. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit DoseOfLeadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. 
Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.